Hi, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, where I explore the science of health, human performance, and ultimate potential. My name is Dr. Greg Wells, and I'm a scientist with a PhD in human physiology. I have served as a professor in kinesiology at the University of Toronto and as a scientist in translational medicine at SickKids Hospital. I've also worked with dozens of Olympic-level athletes through the Canadian Sports Centre Network. In this podcast, I do my best to take complex research and make it understandable and actionable for you to improve your health and well-being and perform to your true potential at whatever it is that you care about the most. In each show, I chat with leading experts in the field of productivity, sleep, nutrition, physiology, and psychology, as well as some of the most exceptional performers across all disciplines. Together, we explore the amplifiers that propel us towards high performance and overcome the obstacles that challenge us. Ultimately, I want to share 1% gains that can make a massive difference in your life. Thank you for listening in, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Let me know your thoughts and comments on social at Dr. Greg Wells. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Today, we are going to interview and chat with Lisa Bentley. Lisa is an Ironman triathlete who has had a remarkable career in the sport of triathlon. She began competing in triathlons in the late 1990s and quickly made a name for herself, winning Ironman 11 times. She's considered to be one of the most successful female triathletes in the history of the sport. The fact that she was a world-class athlete is made even more remarkable when you consider that she also has cystic fibrosis, a genetic lung disease. In addition to her competitive success, Lisa is also a highly sought-after coach and motivational speaker. She's known for her ability to inspire others including me, to achieve their goals and is a true ambassador for the sport of triathlon and people looking to reach their potential. She's been coaching athletes of all levels from beginner to professional for over a decade now and has helped many of them to achieve their personal best and even win their own championships. Lisa's approach to coaching and her speaking and writing is rooted in the belief that with the right mindset and training, anyone can achieve their goals. She is dedicated to helping her athletes understand the importance of proper nutrition and recovery in addition to training, as well as the mental and emotional aspects of training and competition, which can be really challenging. In her free time, Lisa enjoys spending time with her family and awesome puppies, traveling and staying active. In this podcast, Lisa joins us to share her insights on how to build a healthy, high-performance lifestyle. Lisa draws on her extensive experience competing at the highest level of endurance sports to offer tips and strategies for you to improve your mindset, positivity, and overall well-being. Whether you're an aspiring triathlete or just looking to make some positive changes in your life, this podcast is sure to inspire and inform. Let's dive into my conversation with 11-time Ironman triathlete, Lisa Bentley. Lisa Bentley, welcome back to the show. It's so great to have you. Could you give us a little bit of background again? Uh, you and I know each other quite well, uh, but there's a few people listening that might not know your backstory. We'd love for you to orient us, and then we'll dig into some of your deeper knowledge. Sounds good. Well, my name's Lisa Bentley, and I am truly an unlikely champion <laughs> because I was just like a normal kid growing up, not talented. I was an academic, needed to get a scholarship to university, uh, but I ran track was told I had really no running talent, had flat feet, all the whole business. But I still ran because that's what you did. You were active, went to University of Waterloo, studied math and computer science. I ran track. 
uh, with the university there so that I would make friends and ended up starting to do triathlon. And I absolutely loved doing triathlon. I graduated as a math and computer science teacher, and I was teaching and dabbling in triathlon at the same time. And I would always compare myself to the professional athletes, even though I was an amateur. And eventually I made the leap and I started to race as a professional athlete and really had the Olympics on my brain. But the sport changed quite a bit while I was in the middle of of trying to you know, put myself in a position to go to the Olympics. Sport changed to draft legal. I ended up jumping into Ironman, which I loved because it meant I got to train all day long, which I loved. And I started doing Ironman and I found my niche. I found my success. And uh, that led me on to do 33 Ironmans. I won 11 of them. And I guess the backdrop for all of that is that I have cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic lung disease. So, you know, not great lungs doesn't really go along with being a professional athlete, but I uh, truly believe that I would never have had the success that I had in sport had I not had cystic fibrosis, which is, I'm sure, a shock to everyone to hear that. But I had something that other people didn't, and that was I had a tremendous amount of purpose every time I trained, every time I raced, every time I did sport. All right. That's fantastic. That is going to give everyone a significant amount of context for everything that we can learn from today. And something that we mentioned in preparation for this call that I want to dig into is that if you don't want to do something that's informative, then that something is likely to be the thing that you should actually be doing. It's kind of backwards. Can you give us a little bit of an explanation of that idea? I wasn't a standout by any stretch, but I did okay. And there was a, a, a better runner than I on the team. And he said, Lisa, you know, if you really want to do good in the 1500 on the track, you've really got to do more plyometrics. You've got to be doing your drills. And that was the stuff I didn't want to do. Like when we finished the workout, if you told me I got to go for a 30 minute jog, I was like, yes. If you told me I had to do 15 minutes of stretching, drills, plyometrics, and only get to run for 15 minutes, so 30 minutes, but 15 minutes of it was drills and plyometrics, I'd say, God, no, I don't want to do that. Just let me go jog for 30 minutes. So I never wanted to do plyometrics or A's and B's, any of the drills. And then when that athlete said that to me, and I respected him, he was a great athlete. And he said, Lisa, you know, the stuff you don't want to do is probably the stuff you need to do. And so I really set my brain to do that stuff. So I did the things I didn't want to. I did the the drills. I did plyometrics. I did the sprints. I did my strides. I did all the stuff that was opposite of me being a 1500 meter runner in my head. And I had the best year in track that year. And I took away from that, that this is stuff I don't want to do. That's probably the stuff I need to do. Right. <laughs> and an aerobic athlete, an endurance athlete, for example, probably doesn't want to do strength work, doesn't want to go to the gym and do weights. They'd rather just go for another run, go for another bike ride, go for another swim. And there's really nothing wrong with that. Movement is movement. We applaud you. If you're going to get out there and do whatever kind of movement you want, fantastic. But if you're looking to better your performance, better, you know, change, be different, then adding in the weight work and the strength work is really going to add to your repertoire. And so typically it's the stuff we don't want to do that's going to make us 
better. We have to broaden our experience. The only way to do that is to experience something different than what we're doing. Uh, so, you know, a fireman doesn't want to run into a building, a burning building. Come on, let's face it. <laughs> Who does? Um, and, you know, an Ironman athlete in the eighth hour of racing doesn't want to race for another hour. No, of course not. But they have to because it's that hour. It's that action that's going to make them better, that's going to bring them fulfillment, that's going to help them build accomplishment. So chances are, if there's something you don't want to do, it's the thing you need to do. <laughs> the stuff we do every day is easy stuff because it's in our routine. It's in our repertoire. It's in our range of experience, but it's that thing that gets you out of comfort zone. And that's the way it is for me with everything that I do. And it's such an amazing takeaway because uh, first of all, it forces you to think about what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, but then lean into the areas where there's great potential for growth and improvement, and then apply your attention to that, which then leads us into the next idea. That is that people really struggle with discomfort, yet discomfort and being uncomfortable is often where the growth opportunities are. Could you give us a little bit of insight into that? Yeah, all the good stuff happens out of the comfort zone. Unfortunately, it's true. I uh, I mean, one thing for me when I was racing, uh, traveling to an event was always challenging for me. I typically traveled there alone. I'm going to an event, which is very risky. I'm risking my career. I'm vulnerable. I'm putting my training on the line. It's my career. This is how I get paid. So I'm going into a very risky environment. And it was different from home. I'm a routine person. I love my routine. I love my habits. Now I'm going to another country by myself with no routine. And that was always very hard for me. And right. I, I came up with strategies to deal with it. And most of those revolved around making it my home. So I'd get there and I would just accept that it was going to be difficult for at least 24 hours. But then I would make sure I found the grocery store. I found the place where I could buy a newspaper. I found the swimming pool. I went for a run. Mood follows action. And so if I want to be happy, then I've got to do something that makes me happy. So go for a run, go for a bike ride, go for a swim. As soon as I do those things in a foreign country, I feel at home because that's my stuff. That's my thing. And it was uncomfortable and it was hard, but by, by being there by myself was the best thing in the world for me because I went out and I spoke to everybody. Everybody was my potential friend because I, I knew no one and I didn't want to be by myself. I wanted to meet people. And so, you know, if you talk to 10 people and, and five of them talk to you, You've just made five new friends out of 10. Mm -hmm. Who cares that you're only batting 500? That's five people. So getting out of that comfort zone. And so if you said to someone, hey, tomorrow, I want you to at least make one new friend. Now, this isn't the, your 4 a.m. friend. This isn't the person you call in the middle of the night. This is a new acquaintance, a friend. That would be really hard for people. But just say hello to people. You know, everybody is looking for that friend. Everybody's looking for somebody. And everyone's too shy to say anything. So just get yeah. out of your comfort zone. And you see all the people on the subway. If you perhaps take the subway to work, say hi to someone. Maybe they're dying to talk to you too. Say hi to someone in your office that you haven't spoken to or in the elevator. You know, an elevator is an uncomfortable place. It's like, say hi. What do you have you've got to lose? So yeah. get out of your comfort zone. Do something different. Change your life. Change your experience. Start on a small scale. But every time I went to a race and I was by myself and it was scary, 
I came back full, like my heart was full. My life was full. I had new experiences. I could tell them, oh, this grocery store is fantastic. I read the newspaper every day. There are these people that walk the beach at the same time every day. I saw these kids riding their bike. I would watch the kids in their uniforms walking to school. Like I just took in everything. My senses were heightened. And that wouldn't have happened if I had gone with a friend or if I'd gone with my husband because I'd just be in my little world as a friend or as a wife, and I wouldn't have let myself have those outside experiences. Don't be afraid to be out of your comfort zone, to do things that are not normal for you, because that's where the good stuff lies. Lisa, I really love this. You and I bonded for the first time at Ironman in Trombla. Obviously, I knew you through Sick Kids, but like actually on the start line of an Ironman, and we were outside, and uh, before the event started, uh, you know, doing the morning routine stuff and taking the dogs out for a little walk at 5am and then staying high on the start line and afterwards and uh, new friendships can be made under some pretty difficult circumstances like the stress of an Ironman. Uh, even during an Ironman, you can create amazing new friendships. And one of the reasons why I you know, just love hanging out with you and love spending time with you is that you are so incredibly positive. You're known for having this incredible positive attitude. And I've always heard you say that attitude is more important than fact. And there's a lot wrapped up in that. Can you explain it and help us understand that idea a little bit better? So it's a matter of taking a fact and changing your attitude about that fact. So unfortunately, in my world right now, I do have some friends that have cancer. And, and I hate that. And I pray for them. I pray for a miracle. I pray that they will deal with that. But I also want them to be the best person with cancer that they can be. Mm-hmm. And that means that they're still a good daughter. They're still a good sister. They're still a great wife. They still have their dogs. They, they have all these things, but they also have the power inside of them to control their decisions that they make every single day and living full. And so your attitude is the most important thing. So we can turn around a seemingly very difficult situation and make it amazing. I mean, I guess for myself, I wanted to be a mother, desperately wanted to have kids. And I was not able to have a family. I was, you know, at the time when I wanted to have a family, I was quite sick with my symptoms from my cystic fibrosis. And I just couldn't, it wasn't working. And I was really sad. I I made all my career decisions based on being a mom. I wanted to be a doctor. And I thought I'll be a lousy doctor if I'm a parent. And so, you know, I made those decisions. I would be a teacher because a teacher typically is a good mom because they're home with their kids. Anyway, no children. And I had to figure out, you know, that's a fact. But my attitude became became, there's a different role for me. Uh, As a teacher, I have 90 kids. You know, when mm-hmm. I was a teacher, um, I can be a better daughter. I can be a better sister. There's a plan for me beyond this. And I don't understand it and I don't know it. But there's a reason that this path has been chosen for me. And, and that's attitude versus fact. And we all have that in our power every day. It takes some work. <laughs> it's going to take us to get out of our comfort zone. Yeah. It's going to take us to get out of perhaps that little bit of self-pity that we all have. And that's okay. It's part of the process is we have to have those moments where we feel sorry for ourselves, And then we have to break out of those moments and now elevate that attitude to another level. That is a super inspiring idea because it enables you to be, as you say, 
uh, you're going to be afraid. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be anxious. But then you can just be the best scared, anxious, nervous person around it. It elevates what you're doing and puts everything back under your own control, which is a beautiful segue into the next idea, which is that quite often it's very easy for us to encourage others. It's easy for us to encourage our kids, our friends, the people that we coach. It's easy to be a fan. However, one of the hardest things for a lot of us is to be your own fan. In fact, you say that we could be our own biggest fan. Can you expand upon that? Because this is an actionable tactic that I think could make a big difference for a lot of people if we just simply change that internal narrative. Yeah, I came up with that when I was, you know, during coaching, when I'm coaching my athletes, because we, we, you know, an athlete prepares for a race and then they get into that race. They have a ton of self-doubt. They are upset at themselves at different times. And yet they have, they're surrounded by their loved ones who are there to cheer them on. And their loved ones have taken time off work. They've used this as their holiday. They've put a great expense into coming to cheer this athlete on, this athlete who is not happy. <laughs> and I say, hey, you know what? You've got all these fans around you. you got to be your own biggest fan. <laughs> mm. You know, forget about everybody else. You must love yourself. And so I think when we get to any start line, and that can be a start line of a business project, can be the start line of a new job, it can be the start line of a race, it can be the start line of a goal. We have to say, hey, this is my skill set. This is who I am. <laughs> and that's it. I can't wish to be something else. I can't wish to be better at X, Y, Z. This is me. Accept it. If you want to change it, change it later. But right now, accept it and love yourself. Be your own biggest fan. None of us are ever going to be perfect, ever. But in this moment, I am perfect right now. Greg, you are perfect right now because that's all we got. <laughs> so we're perfect. And then we can be a work in progress later. But we have to really embrace who we are. We all have weaknesses all of us. <laughs> and, and and we're not lying about it by by being our best selves. We're just doing the best we can with what we have. Do your best with your deck of cards. Be your own biggest fan. And if there's something about you that you don't like or you want to change, well, then make that your work in progress. And I say in progress because it won't be an easy fix. It's going to require us to get out of the comfort zone. It's going to require us to use some of those tactics we already talked about. But we really are only best when we can truly love ourselves. No one can love you until you love yourself. And we want people to love us. We want people to care about us and give us a great big hug. So we better start with hugging ourselves. And this is not the easiest thing in the world to do, but it is so powerful when you build that in as a practice. I know that you recommend making an asset list, a list of your own greatest skills and assets. I actually did an, an accomplishments list recently when I was feeling a little bit down, and that really helped me to look back, not just to look forwards, gain some confidence and to appreciate how far I've come rather than be caught up in maybe where I haven't quite gotten to yet. And you mentioned keeping a journal, and that's one of the powerful things, powerful tools, uh, especially if you keep a journal about your successes 
not necessarily your failures. That's an idea that I picked up from Matthew McConaughey's book, Greenlights, Journal Your Successes. Um, and I've also heard that from you because, and these are super powerful ideas. And the last idea that I want to dig into today is the idea of moving a little bit every day. Motion is lotion. Super simple, very tactical, yet extraordinarily powerful. Daily, habitual, physical activity as a tool for health, well-being, and high performance. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it's something that hopefully everybody can just take away from this podcast, this interview, and implement tomorrow morning, or maybe even this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, go. Just move a little bit every day. Tell us a little bit about that. Move a little every day. I mean, I think we all understand now how important exercise is, how important motion is. Motion is lotion. You know, that is the that is a WD-40 for your whole body. We've got to be moving. And it, it shouldn't even be a, wow, I walked a kilometer today. Like, this has got to be normal. This has mm-hmm. got to be normal part of our life is to move a little bit every day. And it's just going, it does so many powerful things. First of all, physically, it's so good for your body to be moving every day. Mentally, it is so good for your mind, for your mental health, for your self-esteem. There's not one single human being on this planet that doesn't finish a walk or a jog or swim or a stand-up paddleboard or yoga or any kind of motion that doesn't go, God, I feel better now. I feel so much better now. It's, it's, It is the best prescription any doctor can write for you. You can't buy it. (laughs) You've got to do it. And your mood follows action. When there's action, your mood changes instantly for everybody. And so by just allowing yourself that movement and you're going to, you know, perhaps you say to yourself, okay, I am going to exercise for 30 minutes every single day. And let's say you get to Thursday and you don't have 30 minutes. Well, then do 10, do five, just do something because now you're creating a habit of doing it. I read something the other day that said it used to be, you know, exercise three days a week. That's all you need. And perhaps that's all you need. But three days a week, the reason it isn't enough is because you miss a day and then you think, oh, I can miss another day. Then I miss another day. Now all of a sudden you're exercising two days a week and then you're missing another day. So if you just say, hey, I'm going to move every single day. You don't miss a day. There's no option. There's not a Tuesday option here. (laughs) And it's any motion. Just go walk around. I guarantee you, if you say I'm going to walk to the end of the street, you'll probably walk a couple of blocks. Mm -hmm. So get up, out of your desk, be with your kids. If you're taking your kids to the pool for their swim lessons, you're taking them to a soccer field, whatever it happens to be, get up and move around and take some of the other parents with you for that walk. Lisa, all of this has been so awesome. And here's a few things that I think we've covered so far. If you don't want to do something, then that is something that likely you should be doing. Attitude is more important than fact and be your own biggest fan and move a little bit every day. Four super powerful ideas in 20 minutes. That's why we love you. Thank you so much. You are incredible. We really appreciate you being here with us and sharing your knowledge and wisdom. You're the best. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Dr. Greg Wells podcast. If you found this show informative and helpful, check out my blog at drgregwells.com for additional insights and resources on health and human performance. I update the blog a couple times a month. 
To stay up to date on the latest tips, articles, and videos, be sure to follow me on social at Dr. Greg Wells. My goal on social is to keep your health and wellness and positivity at the forefront of your mind, and so I would be thrilled to connect with you there. If you found this episode helpful, please consider subscribing to the podcast. That helps us out a ton, and leave a review. Your feedback is greatly appreciated and helps me to continue to produce valuable content that's relevant to all of you. Please feel free to share this episode with your friends and community. That helps a ton as well. And that brings this week's show to an end. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Have a great week, everyone.